Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. This is College Football Breakdown with your host, Matt Chatham. Happy to have along today a couple former football players, guys that played at big-time college programs, and you know yours truly did not. I played at South Dakota. Still proud to be a coyote. But uh, on with us today, we have Jay Foreman, former NFL linebacker, former Nebraska Cornhusker. And uh, Jay, uh, obviously a, a rough weekend, a couple real nail-biters that has have gone down for Nebraska. How you feeling uh, after that thing went down? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a game that got out of hand real quick, and then, uh, you know, Nebraska put in a valiant effort to, uh, you know, come back and go into overtime just when you thought we had a handle on the game. Uh, as you know, one play can decide a game, so we had the interception. So it was, it was a game of highs and lows, but, you know, even though we're one and two, uh, two, you know, heart-wrenching losses, I think the program's headed in the right direction. So hopefully they can start winning some games on a consistent basis. Yeah, that seems to be the consensus. It's one of those one and two teams that feels like they could be three and zero. I mean, a hail mary with BYU and all that. But uh, also on the call, as always, uh, FBF writer and uh, former Notre Dame quarterback, NFL quarterback Brady Quinn. What is going on, Brady? Not a whole lot. You know, it's funny. I live down here in South Florida, so I've been listening all week about the talk of that Miami and Nebraska game. And it's funny. You'd think Miami, with where they've been would be happy with the win? No. Everyone's talking about how <laughs> Al Golden didn't run out the clock and how they're not happy with the win. They should have blown them out. They'd run the football. Yerby was going off. Why don't you give him the football at the end of the game? Everyone wants Al Golden's head. It's unbelievable. The team uh, so wow. far is, is undefeated, and they just, for whatever reason, don't want Al Golden in this head coaching position. It's bizarre. Uh, it's bizarre. I mean, you know, there's no more uh... – the Rock isn't playing D tackle for you anymore. There's no, there's no Mike Orban. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't that year. But uh, you know, yeah, it, what, put, I guess have a high bar. But uh, anyhow, guys, what we're gonna do here, as always, is kind of do a quick around the country kind of thing, uh, just to kind of update everything on happen, get your quick reaction, and head into the next week's games. One of the big things in college football this past weekend, biggest storylines, really was what was going on in the state of Alabama. Ole Miss knocks off Alabama. I feel like we've seen this movie before. And Auburn, loser big time to LSU. How are things sort of in that state right now when I think what what we thought might happen in the SEC is a little bit on its head? I'll start with you, Brady. You know, it's funny. You you talked about this being uh, almost like a reoccurring theme, Ole Miss being able to beat Alabama. I just think it's very telling of the times for head coach Nick Saban in Alabama right now. Um, you know, last year they, they tried to adapt to somewhat of a spread-style system with offensive coordinator Lane Kiffin, and I think that was playing to the strengths of the quarterback at the time and Blake Sims. That's not necessarily the team they have this year, right? They've got a great running back in Derrick Henry. Um, Kenyon Drake's solid as well. They've got a very stout defense. I think they'd be very capable of going back to the same style of system they had with A.J. McCarron and the likes, the type of quarterbacks that really made their bread out the play-action pass and mostly handed the ball off and threw the ball about 20 times uh, a game. So 
for whatever reason, Nick Saban wants to try to stick with the system where they try to throw the ball a bit more, run a bit more of a spread, and it doesn't seem to really fit their identity. Maybe he's just trying to uh, change with the times of college football. Either way, it's not working. But I think Ole Miss could be for real. Um, Hugh Freeze has done a tremendous job recruiting down there. And they've got some of the most talented players on their team. When you talk about, talk about Robert Kimbici, the amazing DND tackle, um, he's kind of like a Jadavion Clowney-like as far as his athleticism. And then Laquan Treadwell, maybe the best wide receiver in the SEC. So they've got a ton of talent. Chad Kelly's playing extremely well. A kid who was highly touted come out of high school, went to Clemson, didn't work out, balled out at uh, East Mississippi Community College, and now he's really taken over as the Rebels quarterback. So, I mean, I think they're going to be a, an opponent that can compete for the SEC West, but we'll have to wait and see. And then uh, I'll leave it to you guys to talk about Leonard Fournette and LSU. I mean, that guy's just a man. <laughs> right. So, Jay, I'm actually – Jay, when I send it back to you here, I'm curious because Brady goes the route of Ole Miss as, you know, maybe one of the best teams in the country right now. They've, they've recruited heavily. They had a couple wipeout wins as SEC teams, SEC teams often do early season to some some dogs. Uh, but Ole Miss is up there in that conversation again. And I think we had this conversation last year and they beat Alabama and, but you know, Alabama ends up maybe not being the team we thought. Uh, what's, what's sort of a big 10 perspective on this with Michigan state continuing to sort of uh, have impressive wins week after week. Uh, they keep sort of putting sort of notches in the post. Uh, are they, or should they also be in that, in that conversation? Are they still a little bit behind Ohio state in your mind or, is this sort of a three-team muddle race that's just too early to, to figure out? Well, I think Michigan State is the, you know, the dark horse. They're almost kind of like in the position that Ohio State was uh, last year, even though they, you know, Michigan State hasn't lost, uh, because nobody's really given them a lot of respect uh, nationally and within the Big Ten that everything is like Ohio State and bust. But I think that Michigan State uh, has the recipe to beat Ohio State. If their defense can come around, they've lost so many, uh, big pieces and leadership, and they had an injury at linebacker this year. If they can get these guys to come around and just hold the floor down, more of a bend but don't break, that offense is pretty explosive with Connor Cook. Um, Ohio State, you know, it, it, I, I equate them almost to Kentucky where, uh, you know, Calipari had, had tried to have two starting fives and just thought he could just roll guys out right. there. But if you, when you play against a team uh, as, as like, you know, talent-wise and really good coaching, Sometimes when you haven't decided on a quarterback, you can kind of almost lose your way a little bit. So um, I think Ohio State is probably the, the head and shoulders, probably the best team in the nation. Um, as far as Mississippi goes, uh, you know, the, you know, Hugh Freeze down there and, and also Lane Kiffin's brother are probably the two best recruiters or one of the top ten recruiters in the nation. And you see it's paying off. And uh, you you got to think probably uh, arguably what a top five player in Tunsil is still, uh, you know, under NCAA investigation. So – they haven't even got right. one of their top players back yet. So I, I think they're better than they were uh, last year or just as good. But I think what's really separating them from last year to this year uh, so far, well, obviously with a small sample size, is to play at quarterback because I think that Kelly uh, brings a true uh, leadership at quarterback and a guy that can bring that hit factor, that moxie, as you know Brady could probably allude to, that can really take teams to that next level in the big games. And you saw it uh, against Alabama, and I think that he's going to only get better as he gets to more reps as well. So along that idea of, of ridiculous quarterback performances, Moxie, as you, as you sort of tagged it, uh, there was a game down in the SEC, and usually in these arguments about strength of schedule, and if, you know, if Michigan State should be in that argument, or if Ole Miss should be 
as sort of the top team in the country, a lot of it comes boils down to sort of not necessarily just strength of schedule, but just overall perception of the conference as a whole. Uh, the Big Ten often gets knocked for the Purdue's and, you know, sometimes Northwesterns of the world. Uh, the SEC usually had its strength in that teams like South Carolina and Kentucky uh, would be plucky. Even though they weren't winning, there was, there was a, I think, a thought that the low ends were really good. Georgia just went out and annihilated uh, South Carolina this week. Uh, and I'm going to throw this to you, Brady, because, you know, obviously this is a, a, the biggest story that came out of that other just the, the, the big discrepancy in one of the SEC, SEC teams looking so poorly was Grayson Lambert's per, uh, performance at quarterback, having a ridiculous NCAA record performance going 24 for 25 on the game. Can you talk about just from sort of a quarterback's perspective, A, what it takes to get there? We obviously understand that Georgia has a ridiculous run game that kind of helps you know, with the play action element of that. But what's it take to get to put together a performance like that on that kind of a stage? Well, yeah, you, you got to kind of understand where Grayson Grace Lambert came from. You know, he's, he's a transfer from uh, UVA where he basically got beat out by Matt Johns this past spring and saw kind of greener pastures over there at Georgia. So he decided to go and get one out another quarterback battle. So then he finds himself having to adapt to an assistant with offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer. Uh, a long-time coordinator at the NFL level. He runs uh, a scheme that's obviously going to be more complicated than what a lot of uh, college quarterbacks are running right now. So uh, that makes that stat even more impressive is the fact that he was only had one incompletion uh, and the job that he's handling right now, you know, calling out the protections and making the run identifications, all that much more harder. But you hit it on the head. He's got two outstanding backs. Everyone knows about Nick Chubb, Chubb but, you know, Sony Michelle is very capable as, as well coming out of the backfield. And, and Brian Schoenheimer uh, does a tremendous job of really playing to the strengths of his quarterback. You know, I, I was with him when he was in the St. Louis Rams. And when Sam Bradford got hurt, whether it was Austin Davis um, or, or whoever else came in as their backup, he always seemed to call plays to the strengths of the quarterback. He kind of got some easy completions uh, going early. And that's kind of the same game plan that I see with Grayson Lambert. A lot of easy completions early. And then they allow him to kind of build off of some of the running game that's so effective with, with Chubb and Michelle. So and that's what I think goes into it a little bit. I'm, I'm a little, going to be a little more curious to see as Georgia goes uh, down their schedule to see if he can keep this up because I wasn't overly impressed with some of the film, film I saw in Grayson Lambert last year at UVA. Fair enough. Uh, I'm curious now, guys, as we sort of transition into – the next week of games, uh, I think we're still sort of in that flesh it out time where some teams are playing a little out of conference. Uh, the SEC is starting to play themselves. Uh, Jay, you obviously know the Big Ten just did their little ACC exchange, and I think that had some decent action in there, some some solid games. But now as we start to – some of the conferences are going to start heading into more conference play here. Uh, the Pac-10 teams are starting to – Pac-12 teams, excuse me, are starting to play one another. We're going to have some more competitive matchups where – it's starting to settle into things. This is when the real season starts. Uh, what are you guys' feelings on sort of where each of these conferences stand as we head in? Sort of just a real quick hitter point on each of the Power Five and and sort of how they how they fared in this sort of little introductory portion uh, before their actual season starts. I'll start with you, Jay. Uh, I think that the you know the Big Ten is just the Big Ten is very very top heavy, uh, and and the same thing with the uh, you know ACC. I was very surprised. Uh, at how Georgia Tech performed, not, and not the sense that they are so complicated to go against from a from a defensive standpoint. Even though Notre Dame's defense, I think, is very good, 
I, I was very surprised for them because I was kind of expecting them to sh- show a little bit better. Um, I think the SEC is 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 who they are. I think you know, even though Alabama lost, I think they they lost early enough to where they can go back and kind of retool and really find their identity again and be a team to reckon with. Uh, so they're always going to be and 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 really. Every year, in my opinion, the SEC comes down. If you take Alabama and you take LSU out, um, it always comes down to seem to be Georgia. And the reason why I say that is because Georgia is that team. Always, you know, the analogy is is the, it's the you know the the hot girl in high school that you just wish they had everything else that came with it. And sometimes they do, and they they step up and play well when you don't expect them. But when they have all the expectations, they don't perform well. So this is a year gotcha. uh, that I'd like to see Georgia really, you know, oppose a challenge uh, in in that SEC. Uh, Matt, I'll try to be quick. The Big Ten's top heavy. You got two of the best teams in the country in Ohio State, Michigan State. Really, beyond that, uh, I don't really know how much parity is there in the conference. You could probably say the same thing of the Big Twelve. Probably only less defense for their top two teams in TCU and, and Baylor. Both teams struggling defensively. TCU due to injuries and some off-the-field stuff, and Baylor just not really getting quite the production they had hoped for uh, out of some of their players. Now, Oklahoma is coming around. Oklahoma State seems like they've got some firepower, too, um, but they've still got a ton of games left to be played in order to prove themselves. Uh, as far as the ACC goes, uh, everyone's kind of still hanging their hat on Clemson and Florida State. Uh, I'm kind of looking at that right. Notre Dame-Clemson matchup uh, in a couple weeks to see you know, how those two score off. And in the Pac-12, I'm most curious to see the, uh, Southern California basically moving to Arizona this week with the matchup of USC going to Arizona State and then UCLA going to Arizona. Two big, big games, um, which should help kind of create more of the picture for the Pac-12 South and who will end up coming out on that side of the, uh, of the Pac-12 altogether. Okay, well, you, you hit on it. I, mean, I don't think this is exactly a week where there's a, a ton of marquee games, but there's a handful of some with intrigue. I think the Tennessee-Florida game, some of the shine came off when Tennessee wasn't able to finish it off on Oklahoma. Uh, but you, you hit on uh, the UCLA game, UCLA getting uh, a sort of high-profile game here early in the season with Arizona. Uh, can you talk a little bit, you know, I, you, you did the uh, UCLA game a week ago with BYU, got to see that team up close. What are you expecting out of them when they when they go on the road here? I think it's going to be a, a tight game. Um, you know, Josh Rosen's looked more and more human with each week. Um, threw only one touchdown pass to three interceptions, and really, if not for the run game of UCLA with Paul Perkins and Nate Starks in that game, rushing for 300 yards combined, UCLA does not get out of that uh, that game with a win. Uh, defensively, they're extremely stout and they're tough, in particular in the secondary. They get back Ishmael Adams, one of their outstanding corners, from from some off the field issues that happened before the season, but they lose Miles Jack, which is a huge loss. You know, defensive coordinator Tom Bradley comes in from Penn State. He tries to uh, adapt UCLA essentially to like more of a 4-3 team and a lot of their sub packages. And Miles Jack is so athletic. He's able to play basically the nickel. He plays out over the wide receiver. They'll cover him in man-to-man coverage, but he's still able to take part uh, to stop the run uh, in in the box as well. So uh, he actually tore his ACL today in practice. He's out for the season. Huge loss for UCLA, even though they get back Ishmael Adams. Uh, I think it's going to be a tough, uh, tough, hard-fought game. Scooby Wright could be back for Arizona in this matchup. And they run that 3-3-5 that seems to give the spread systems all sorts of fits. Let's pause for a moment here to acknowledge our sponsor, 
We're several weeks into the season now, and you've seen the ads. Your friends are playing. We're playing. We think it's time you join the party and sign up yourself at FanDuel.com. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They've been paying over $75 million a week this football season. Now, building a team is easy. You just pick your players, stay under the salary cap, and sit back on Sunday and watch your teams win. Entry fees are easy at just a dollar so anyone can play. You know fantasy football. You've been doing it for a while, so prove it here at FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use our code FBF and sign up now. That special offer is still in effect. For every dollar you deposit at FanDuel, we'll match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. It's only good for the first 50 people that use my FBF code, so jump on it now. Don't forget to use my code FBF. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. Well, I'm going to transition to another game here. I'm going to ask you, Jay, first of your reaction. If uh, I'm assuming both of you guys heard the sound this week from uh, my old teammate in Texas Tech's new head coach, new-ish head coach, I guess, Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, lashed out a little bit at Arkansas head coach Brett Bielema. I just think the physicality. Um, that's a program that prides themselves on being physical. And um, at the Texas high school coaches convention this summer, he stood up and said, if you don't play with a fullback, we'll kick your ass. If you throw it 70 times a game, we'll kick your ass. And uh, he just got his ass kicked twice in a row and probably next week by AM as well. So that did feel good. Uh, you know, I thought it was funny. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things that Cliff Kingsbury, I think if, if you look at the way that he coaches, the same way that he plays, you know, obviously what the, I guess kids call it now, swag or swagger or whatever you want to call it. I think, and, I, and I think that he's, he's not going to back down. And I think the one thing I, I like about him is that even though you know, Arkansas is probably a bigger program. Uh, it was a big win for him. Um, you know, you're excited. Uh, but then also when, you know, this is what people don't understand is that when, when you have, I wouldn't call it negative press, but when you have those type of, uh, you know, little things that come up on the media, it, it, negative press is good press. And, and, people, you know, kids like that. Kids like that, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, flamboyant, uh, in-your-face type of coach that can, you know, put a right. big number. So, uh, I, I think it just fits right into him. I think that what he's done, he's not afraid to uh, be aggressive. Um, you know, they were kind of down the last year or so, uh, but then, you know, he's trying to turn it around because, you know, as quick as he got that job, uh, you know, with, you know, getting a lot of success of coaching Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M, he knows that the pressure is going to, you know, get higher and higher at Texas Tech because as every team in Texas starts to get better besides Texas, uh, they want Texas Tech alumni and people that write his check uh, want him to do well and, and try to be up there with Baylor and TCU as well. All right. So Brady would obviously, you know, teeing, taking from that point that Cliff is a little bit salty. Cliff was a little bit, uh, took that the way that he took it. Uh, do you think these kind of things also can negatively affect a, a coaching staff? Like Jay makes a great point there that, you know, I think a young kid might think that's kind of cool, you know, that Cliff kind of put him in his place. Uh, how about if you're a potential Arkansas recruit and the head coach that you're considering looks like a jackass? <laughs> well, I definitely think it can play a part, in particular because the whole philosophical argument is Cliff Kingsbury said, you know, basically, you know, you're saying that our style and our system doesn't work and we just kick your ass with it. So guess right. what? If I'm a recruit, uh, I don't want to go play for some guys who run some old, outdated system. I'd rather go play for that coach who's got the swag and is able to put up big numbers and big points 
to have some sort of big win. I mean, that, that, that's one of the intrigues. You know, when I talked to Cliff Kingsbury last season doing a game, and I actually have them this week versus TCU. We haven't spoken yet, but, you know, I, I'd love to continue to talk to him about his recruiting techniques and tactics because, you know, one thing's the uniforms all these kids want, right? All these different right. variations in uniforms. Texas, Texas Tech has way more variations than Arkansas is going to have. You look at that young coach and Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, he does the Ice Bucket Challenge with the whole entire team uh, to, I think, like a Beyonce song or something like that that ends up going viral. You don't see Brett Billima uh, doing that at all. Um, there's, a lot of, there's, a, there's a lot of attraction to Cliff Kingsbury and what he represents and, and kind of who he is as a coach that I think a lot of kids can relate to. And I think a lot of parents, too, say, you know what, he seems cool, but he's also a respectable young man who I want my uh, kid to go play for, as opposed to Brett Bielema, who, who seems to be somewhat of a hothead. I think that's a fair point. And, and knowing Cliffy just how he, he actually doesn't say a whole lot, uh, you know, and he, but he, I think he lets it build. And then you saw that salt. You know, I mean, you saw the little venom that came out on the podium. And it's like, okay, we'll just we'll talk on the field. But I want to make sure that everyone understands what, what just happened here. I thought that was, I thought that was apropos. That's, uh, it just reminded me, yep, that's, that's Cliff, <laughs> you know? So, all right, moving on here. Uh, one, one quick point that I want to touch on because we, in a couple of other different contexts, we brought up BYU, BYU being that team that, you know, knocked off Nebraska on that, on that crazy Hail Mary. Uh, a week later, BYU's antagonizing someone else uh, in UCLA and ends up just UCLA just sliding by. Now, now BYU is on the on the docket for Michigan, and uh, you know, unfortunately, we don't. Brady Papinga is not on here with today, but uh, now Michigan is sort of calling this their sort of litmus test for the year. You know, it, it seemed that they've started to turn the corner, uh, but now this team that I, I think teams at least at arm's length, holding hold pretty decent regard. Any idea there, Jay, or, or expectations on, on where Michigan's at, if this is that real true test that'll tell you more about where they'll, where they'll fare in the Big Ten or just another week? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, quietly, BYU's defense is pretty salty. Um, you know, they got hot there for a quick second, to, you know, as far as the you know, last-second plays, but – I don't think it's a true test. I think that the true test is going to be when they, uh, you know, face a good-like opponent in the Big Ten. But I think it's going to be their toughest test to date because, they, you know, they're going to be playing against some grown men. They're going to be playing against some big receivers, uh, physical defense. So it's going to test and see, you know, uh, how good, you, you know, Michigan has gotten over the last couple of weeks. And, and, when you know, what they when they played Utah, uh, I think Utah got after them a little bit on the defensive end. So I think BYU is going to probably try to draw some confidence off of that. And, and, and upset Michigan uh, because they are a, a dangerous team, uh, especially late in games because they have that belief uh, off of two winning plays at the last second or last drive in one game, last second against Nebraska. So I think it's going to be a test for them, but this, this is going to be the first, uh, you know, peg for, for Michigan to get past to see that uh, Harbaugh has gotten them better than, you know, than they were last year. And it'll be interesting to see how they react because I think BYU is going to give them a tougher test uh, than people think. I'm, I'm calling so, upset ahead, right here and now. Uh, oh, there you I'm go. Go ahead and just call an upset because I just did this game. I just watched this team. I think both teams last week between UCLA and BYU were looking to legitimize themselves. And to me, BYU did. I mean, they led that entire game up until the end of the fourth quarter. And uh, Tanner Mangum, the quarterback who took over from Taysom Hill, has grown tremendously. And one of the toughest matchups Michigan's going to have to deal with is the size of BYU's wide receivers. I mean, they've got three guys who are 6'5 and above 
And then, then they've got some athletes on the inside as well. And then you talk about their defensive scheme. They're stout up front with the front three. And, and as far as like the linebacker position, they mix in a ton of guys. They bring a bunch of variety of blitzes and different disguises. And I think they're able to hold up enough on the back end. They've got a safety in Kai Nakua, who's a very, very good player, somewhat of a ball hawk, reads the quarterback's eyes very, very well. Uh, I think Michigan's going to struggle. I, I don't think Jim, uh, I don't think you know Harbaugh's used to seeing uh, these sorts of defenses and, and the style of which BYU plays. I mean, it's somewhat exotic, something that hasn't really been in the NFL uh, since probably Rex Ryan was with the Jets and maybe even the uh, the Baltimore Ravens as far as the style they play. And they actually found the running game. Adam Hine came up big for BYU in that game. Uh, so now you're talking about a two-dimensional offense that runs at a pretty fast pace as well. It's going to be an incredibly tough matchup for Michigan. So, Brady, you kind of kicked off this idea of a potential upset alert. Uh, they're actually, in my view, sort of a handful of these kinds of games on the docket this week. You know, those those handful of games that are a little more obvious matchups, there, there, there are those, but then there's, you know, Oregon. We didn't mention Oregon, Utah. That's probably your only other, uh, your matchup of top 25 teams. Uh, but USC sits as a pretty solid team uh, with Arizona State in the docket. It's always tough to, to travel to Tempe. Uh, I'm thinking here down the list of games that might provide an upset. Well, here, I'll put this one out there to you, Brady. I, I usually work about most of, of UMass's games throughout the season. UMass travels to Notre Dame. I'm sure that's a team that, if you're if you're an Irish fan, you're probably blinking past. The only thing I would caution is uh, Mark Whipple is the head coach there. Used to be the offensive coordinator at Cleveland, but prior to that, he was sort of Ben Roethlisberger's mentor when he first entered the league. His offense is pro style, which you don't see a ton of in college anymore, and they can put up a ton of points with this. Uh, Fronapple kid, a big six-six quarterback that can sling it. They got a, a wide receiver named Tajay Sharp, who's a probably a somewhere between a second and fourth round pick kind of guy, a really, really interesting, intriguing prospect kind of guy. Uh, I'll just put it out there to you because I know you'll be watching that game closely, but that's one of those kind of sneaky, don't fall asleep on them kind of team. They played Temple right down to the end last week, and Temple was actually went into the game ranked 26 in the country. They're right on the cusp. So beyond those games, is there anything else to you that jumps out as, a, as an upset special, or is that your one? Well, I, that's definitely not my one as far as an upset special, but I, <laughs> I, think, think, so. I, I think I think you're going to know this term very well, uh, being from New England. It's a trap game, right? They've got Clemson right. in Death Valley uh, the following week. I think a lot of people look at UMass and say, uh, you know, it, it's UMass. This isn't a, a football right. school. I don't even know really if you call it anything for athletics, but for the points that you – uh, just throughout. I mean, they're definitely not a team to be overlooked. Brian Kelly said this week, uh, these are the games that scare him the most because he's not sure uh, whether what he's preaching to his team, if his guys are hearing that and if they're going to come out and actually be prepared because these are the games that, especially with a team that's somewhat young, when you look at their overall team and, and their age, uh, in particular at the quarterback position, you never know how Deshaun Kaiser might struggle in his second start versus UMass. So they've got to be careful. I wouldn't necessarily say uh, they're on upset alert, but I think it definitely could be a trap game. I think TCU better watch out. Texas Tech can put up a ton of points. And if you go back a year ago, this is a TCU team that dropped 82 against Texas Tech. You better Mm. believe Cliff Kingsbury remembers that from a year ago, especially coming off some of his comments to Brett Bielema. And, And they've got a stable quarterback position now, which is what hurt them so bad last year. And a kid in Patrick Mahomes, who's maybe one of the more underrated uh, quarterbacks in college football. So I think they've got the ability to put up some points. Neither team's defense is playing very well right now. 
So it's probably going to be a shootout, and we'll see who wins. It's in Lubbock, too, so you know that crowd's going to be uh, – it's already a sold-out crowd. You know they're going to be ready to go. So let's let's sort of dive into, as a final idea here, we're going to go through sort of the Heisman Trophy sort of situation. What's the landscape? Uh, one of the biggest sort of developments, I think, uh, this past week, and something we actually talked about on our last show was just the idea of the running backs having a chance. We talk about Chubb. We talk about uh, some of the backs around the league that have had potential potential impact there, but it's so dang early. Uh, but the SEC has a week where they had some ridiculous at three different schools back production. Uh, Fournette, we already mentioned, but uh, obviously they're in Georgia as well. Chubb, I think he still stays in the argument. But is there any is there any credence to that, that uh, some of these guys are starting to make a case? I would even throw it to you that potentially the kid out of UCLA had a really nice weekend a weekend ago. Is, is he sort of on that national radar now? Yeah, I think Paul Perkins will be. You know, he, he rushed for a career high, I think, around 219 yards and uh, touched on him, maybe two. And, and actually, the injury to Miles Jack, uh, as bad as this sounds, it actually helps him because when you watch their games, when they get around the goal line in short yardage, they put Miles Jack in with this power eye formation where they utilize two defensive tackles, Kenny Clark, and it used to be Eddie Vanderdose, but he's hurt now, he's out, so now they've got to utilize someone else. But, anyways, you know, so, so Miles Jack has already rushed for or had one touchdown this season, and they, they try to utilize him in that position. So I, now I think you just put Perkins back there. I mean, he's big enough, he's physical enough, he's very capable, and I think that should help his his uh, produce as far as the amount of touchdowns he's able to score this year. Uh, but you you named it. I mean, Leonard Fournette, to me, um, has to be the front runner because he's kind of had, I guess, Heisman moments, if you want to call it that. I mean, they beat Auburn. Um, and he's got those moments where he's flipping a guy off his shoulder like he's barely there. <laughs> right. He trucks another guy as he runs through. Um, and I think that sometimes what encapsul- encapsulates what a Heisman moment is. The problem is they gotta they got to obviously win out the rest of the way. I mean, the Heisman goes to the, the, the team that's the best player on the, on the, on the team that's going to be maybe the best team in the country, right, our team biting for the college football playoffs. So that's really key. LSU has to stay in the hunt in order, in order for Fournette to be able to be the guy. It's crazy that they are, too, because, I mean, I remember doing the SEC preview stuff with you earlier this year, and I don't think we had them sort of in that range as, as much as anything with questions at the quarterback position, some other sort of things. And I, I don't think they were in our top two, three, four kind of people, but a couple monster production uh, games, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, yeah. LSU, you know? And, so Yeah, and, that's, and really, I, that's really my concern, though, is, is, is still the quarterback position because people, are, people right. saw what just happened. They're going to put eight, nine guys around the box and not even cover a wide receiver if they have to. And they're going to make Brandon Harris beat him, and I don't know if he's capable, so we'll see. Right. So along that same list, I mean, some of the performers recently, I still feel like uh, you made the point in the past, uh, Trayvon Boykin, I think, is is still performing at that kind of level, but is it sustainable with all the injuries they have? Uh, they just keep plugging along. You know, maybe a big one here against Texas Tech puts him back towards the top of that. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's still out there as, as OSU kind of – I feel like every year they have this sort of – lull in their season where they scuffle their feet a little bit they continue to win but they don't win impressively people stop talking about them for three or four weeks like a guy like connor cook uh, as as michigan state continues to win and he plays efficiently but not not redonkulous you know he's not he's not putting up video game numbers this is not ty detmer uh does he bring himself into the conversation yeah he he did last week i mean he threw four touchdown passes i know it's versus air force but hey that that's that's meaningful right because that's going to help end of the year production the closer that he gets um, you, know, you know, to the college football playoff or really the, the Big Ten championship if they beat Ohio State. They, they've got to get that win, I think, in order for him to propel himself to the top. 
besides that, I mean, Miles Garrett, the outstanding defensive end for Texas A&M, he's got to be in consideration as a defensive player. He's about as disruptive as I've seen so far this year. Uh, so you've got to think that he's a part of it. You know, sometimes those early losses don't hurt you quite as bad if you finish really strong. I think Kelly right. Chester is going to put up the stats. It's a matter of if USC only drops one game the rest of the year. And if it, if it is that game to Stanford at home, maybe people forget about it and they look at his stats and he throws for, you know, 40 touchdown passes and five interceptions. And people say this USC team just won the Pac-12 championship. It's because of Cody Kessler. You know, he right. looks like he's very deserving of it. So maybe he reemerges as well. Yeah, it's always an it's always an interesting conversation, and it, because of timing, and we we we'll we'll start talking about this as we get more into the uh, the college football playoff stuff too. But it's just the timing of the wins, the timing of the big performances, the timing of as you your word the Heisman moment. You got to have that that sort of flash thing. You wonder if with a guy like Fournette, if you know that he he doesn't have any more truck moments, but he continues to just produce. Did you did you have it too soon? <laughs> you know, is that is that kind of part of it? But. Uh, All right, that's all we've got today, guys. Thanks so much, Jay and Brady. Take care, man. Awesome stuff. Thanks so much for listening to the Football by Football podcast. As always, the FBF podcast can be found for streaming or download on footballbyfootball.com or blogtalkradio.com. You can download the FBF podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the TuneIn Radio app. For daily insightful stuff from guys like Brady and myself, make sure to check out the footballbyfootball.com Facebook page and give us a follow on Twitter at FBBYF. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.